Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll, and you know what's coming. Stick around right now and listen to Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, tell you how she survived dental school and wrestling school at the same time, and how she's able to run her dental office and see patients while still performing on AEW Dynamite every week. She's also talking about the bloody nose she got uh, a few weeks ago against Hikaru Shida, how she and her boyfriend NXT's Adam Cole handled their work situations, baby. What happened when she tried out for WWE a couple years ago, all the stuff she learned uh, about the biz from Talk is Jericho alumni Rhino. Uh, he was one of Britt's mentors. Uh, Britt's even got some dental advice for us all. So let's get started. Dr. Britt Baker right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. So one of the best things about the first six months of AEW is the fact uh, that we have, as a company have been able to make new stars, which is what wrestling is all about. And one of the most talked about new stars is uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. And what does DMD stand for? It is a doctor of medicine and dentistry. <laughs> there you go. So it's funny <laughs> just to jump right in because at the start, you know, obviously, because you are, so people know, a, a real dentist. This is not a gimmick. This is real. Correct. Some some people still weekly are, are coming to this realization, like, oh, my God, she's actually a dentist, which it blows my mind, because I think we probably said it over 100 times now on uh, Dynamite. <laughs> Which at first, it, it was kind of as a baby face, people are kind of getting, it's getting on their nerves. And now as a heel, it's something that you could just use constantly to get on their nerves because of it. Right. And and actually, I had a hard time with that at first to me because becoming a dentist took eight years and it was the hardest, most grueling thing I think that I would probably ever have to do aside uh, while I was becoming a professional wrestler, training to become a fresh professional wrestler. So when that kind of turned into a joke or a meme or something that it was like an ongoing rib, that for me was like a tough pill to swallow because I was like, damn, I worked so hard for this and now it's they're using it against me. But then, you know, now, ironically, I can say it as many times as I want, and they love it. It's, it's just crazy how the tables have turned for the good, and, and I'm, I'm thankful, thank God, that I can still kind of use that to my advantage, because that was a lot of work for that to just be a, a joke or something that people get sick and tired of hearing. Well, and that's one thing, too, like, you know, just doing commentary over the last few weeks, I wanted to point out, like... The fact that you know it's interesting because it's not the same thing, but you do two separate careers like I do. And the mm-hmm. fact that you made it as a dentist is not just the fact, okay, you check teeth and fix teeth. Like that's like you said, eight years of sacrifice, of passion, of you know, anybody that's in school for eight years, you're not making, you know, a million dollars off the start. So you, there is a lot of similarities between that and making it rusty. So if you put in the time and effort to make it as a dentist, there's no way that you're not going to do the same in the wrestling business as well, because to become a doctor in the first place takes a lot of effort and a lot of sacrifice, like I said. Yeah, sure. And, and that, you know, the sacrifices even kind of bled into my my wrestling journey early on, because all, all my friends that had kind of started out the same time I, I was, they were going to Japan and to Europe and all over the world. And I, I couldn't go on those kind of tours even when I was invited because I, I had school the next day at 8 a.m. And right. there were countless times. I mean, I will be the first to admit I was not the the most squeaky clean student. I was always kind of slipping out of, out of class early to get to to get to wrestling training or getting to a show. Or if I had extra talent, I would for WWE. I was like, that's it. I'm sick today. I can't come in because it's you know, you have to make those sacrifices and you kind of have to take risks every now and then to, to get ahead. So what, what came, I mean, I think dentist came first, 
but what kind of inspired you to get into wrestling? Because you said you went to school for eight years to be a dentist and you've been wrestling for like four years or whatever it is, right? Right. So they actually started at the exact same time because I was, I went to school at Penn state and I was moving to Pittsburgh back towards closer to where I lived to go to dental school. And I was just a wrestling fan at the time, had no idea what, what independent wrestling was. And when I was moving to Pittsburgh, my friends were like, Oh, you know, that's a big independent wrestling scene. I was like, what the hell is that? So what I did some research and I was like, you know what? Hey, maybe I'm going to try, try out just kind of as a, something to do not never anticipated that it would really go anywhere. Cause I never really thought or dreamed of being a professional wrestler. I liked it, but it's not something that I was like, Oh yeah, that's what I want to do. So my, when I moved to Pittsburgh for dental school is when I started training to become a professional wrestler. They both started about four years ago. Okay. So, so it's at the same time then basically yeah, doing both. Right. Did you not uh, realize how hard it was going to be to start both at the same time from scratch? Oh, I learned that almost instantly right away, especially like the first the first couple years of both. Like the first two years of dental school is is terrible. It's grueling coursework. You are you have your nose in a book all day, every day. You don't even see a patient because you're just studying nonstop. You're in the anatomy lab with, you know, in the morgue with bodies, learning every single part of the human body before you even get to go anywhere near someone's mouth or teeth and professional wrestling. When you first learn that you're, it's, you're traveling, you're doing ring crew, you're taking bumps sometimes for two hours straight, just learning the the nitty gritty basics of, of both really. And is my, it, it definitely was a wake up call. Like, holy shit, this is, this is not going to be easy. But at the same time, I tried to never let myself drown in, in the fear of failure. I kind of just always put one foot in front of the other and said, okay, today I have to do this, 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 and this. And, and if I get through the day with everything, you, you just kind of check that off as a goal because you have to recognize when you achieve goals before you make new ones, or you're always just treading in water where your feet can't touch. And that's a great point. But let me ask you this. You said that you have to learn every bit of the human body. You're in, in, in the morgue and all that stuff. That That's all part of becoming a, a dentist? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were – it's a little morbid, but we are – your first year, you're in the anatomy lab literally dissecting dead human bodies. Actually, fun fact, um, my, my first year of dental school is when they were actually filming the movie Concussion. Mm-hmm. So we got a week off of school – of, of our anatomy class because they needed to use the morgue to film. So we, instead we were in lecture hall. Well, me and my roommate were like, Oh my gosh, Will Smith's filming a, a scene in a bar down the hill. Let's, let's dip this class and go watch the, the scene. And we did. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. So you, that's crazy because people don't know that, uh, that's part of it. Like, so what, what's the connection there in, in between dissecting human bodies and uh, just so the end result of, of fixing people's teeth. Right. Well, because you're, you're a doctor, you have to know like everything that can and might and will go wrong. If someone's, in, if someone's in your chair and you know, what if they have a seizure? What if they're diabetic? You have to know everything. Granted, I think little, some of it's a bit excessive. I don't know why I had to study the nerves of the feet. Uh, mm-hmm. And I trust me, hated it at the time. It's, you know, this is so stupid. Why do I have to know this? But, um, you know, it's, you are, you do have the title doctor in front of your name. Right. So I guess that's all. So if you're learning to be a medical doctor, do you have to study people's teeth if you're going to be like a general practitioner? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So so the med students at Pitt, basically the first two years are very similar of med school and dental school because it's all you just basic science and, and anatomy and, and healthcare classes. Gotcha. 
Okay, so so tell us what, what your schedule was like back in those days as far as training for wrestling at the same time as, as learning all this other stuff. Okay, yeah, so very, very little sleep. Um, <laughs> but I would so wake up in the morning, get to class, most of the time on time, sometimes not. You start, you're in, you're in lecture all day, literally all day from eight to five. You sometimes we didn't even leave that room. Like all the classes were in the same lecture hall. Um, then I would sprint out the door to get to wrestling training, which is about 45 minutes away, train for as long as they would let us there. Then I would come home, study a little bit to get, cause you, you in basically any second of the day in dental school, you should be studying. If you're not, you're, you're most likely behind. So I was always behind. But then, um, so after training, I would come home, study a little bit, and then I would go to the gym to work out. Cause I always said like, if I'm going to be a wrestler, I want to look like a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And part of that is being in, in really good shape. And, you know, I was always so far in debt with trying to, to have really great gear too. Cause I was, I was, I never made enough money to pay for the gear that I was wearing at the time, but I always, would, I just wanted to look like a professional wrestler, I wanted to look like a pro. And then, so after the gym, come back home, shower, eat, and study until I literally fell asleep with with my book on my bed, just until my eyes closed. And I would say at least once or twice a week, my roommate would have to wake me up to make sure I was up in time for class because I would just sleep right through my alarm. Wow. And that's part of it, too. That's one thing that, that, that I appreciate that is a big part of the business is looking like a star. And I even said that last week with, the, with your costume and the, the look that you have. I mean, all of that matters. Even when you're training, which I think some people might not understand because right off the bat, you never know when someone's going to be watching or you might get a chance or whatever it may be. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. So one of the first seminars that I ever did, um, and I was setting up the ring for the promotion I worked at, IWC, and they had a, a rhino seminar. And I was I was debating, oh my, should I do it? Should I not do it? Because I, I was very, very early on in training. Like I couldn't have a match. I barely even know how to hit the ropes at that point. So I debated and finally was like, no, I'm going to do it. So I did the seminar. And from that point on, Rhino was a huge mentor to me pretty much throughout my whole independent career. He actually was the one that told me, he said, have you submitted your stuff to WWE? And I said, no, 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 I, I, I haven't even had a match yet. There's no way. And he looked at me and he said, let me ask you one question. I'll never forget this. He said, WWVD. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. He said, what would Vince do? <laughs> and, I, and at that time, I'm like, I, who is this crazy man talking to me right now? But no, so I, I sent in all my stuff. And, and very early on, I had I had communications with WWE. I had my, my first tryout before, or actually right after I had my first match. So it's, I had no business being there. I, had, I was not, not any sort of name on the independent scene, but it was just because of, of catching someone's eye at a seminar. Well, but there's been a lot of people over the years that have gotten in right away just because of the way they look, especially, especially girls, women. So it's, it is part of the business there. That's just the bottom line of it. So what was that like when you went for your first tryout after, you know, having a match or whatever it was, like you said, uh, so I had to tell a lot of lies to be able to get out of school for that, for that weekend. Cause it's a couple days. Um, and actually that my tryout was pretty stacked with talent. It was, uh, Bianca was in it, Lacey Evans, Velveteen Dream, Sonya Deville. I mean, it was a, it was a loaded class and all those names I just mentioned, plus myself at the very end got like pulled aside to do like this extra physical with the doctor. And, And I asked, I'm like, what is this for? And he's like, oh, it's basically the people on this list have intentions of being hired. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a job with the WWE. <laughs> and I'll never forget at the very end of the camp, 
Canyon Seaman pulled me aside. And if you're an independent wrestler, Canyon Seaman is like the gatekeeper. Like you, he is, you, you shall not pass or come on in to. And that's true. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. He's Zool. (laughs) He is. Oh, and he, he told me, he's like, you really impressed a lot of people at this tryout. And I was like, so excited, so excited. And then he says, but as a father, I have a really hard time pulling someone from a professional degree for this business. And my heart just sank. So I was like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah. So then a couple of weeks later, I got an email from him saying, you know, you have a lot of the qualities we look for. However, you know, we don't have an opportunity for you at this time. But if you have the passion to succeed in this, you'll find a way to make this work throughout dental school. And I never forgot that. Um, which it didn't work out with WWE, but it worked out in my to my advantage even better because I'm able to do both careers. I'm a dentist and a professional wrestler on TV. I love that too. That that's like I said when when people say if you had to choose between being in a rock band or being a wrestler, what would you choose? And I'm like, I don't have to choose because I do both. That's right. You know, and that's one thing that's really cool is that you didn't stop your practice once your career really took off. Right. And I kind of always dreaded that, that time when I would have to, because, you know, I know, I know the road, I know how it goes. I'm not super experienced. I would have went straight to NXT and I would have been a slave to the performance center. And there is not, not enough hours in the day to even think about doing dentistry. Um, so I kind of always wondered like, man, if that, if they say, Hey, where you want me? Cause I, w- I was, it was, I was always playing the game with them. Yeah. Well, you know, three months, six months, two months, but it just never was working out. So when I got the offer from AEW, it was, it was like the, the heavens opened up and it was like, is this, is this real? I get to do everything that I want to do and get paid to do both. And I don't have to make any true sacrifices. It was honestly too good to be true. What was, uh, what was it like with your, with you talking about a father, talking about your parents, what did they think when you were, you know, still chasing this wrestling thing? When you have an official real job that mom and dad can be proud of being a dentist. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was so when I first started, when I got accepted into the training program in Pittsburgh, I hadn't moved to Pittsburgh yet because I was still living in state college. So for about three months, I had to make the it was like two and a half hours one way drive to training and back. And I knew my parents were going to hate this. So I didn't tell them until I didn't tell them I was training until I had literally my first match. And the only reason they found out is because my cousins who live in Pittsburgh saw saw my picture on, you know, indie promotions. They always put up flyers, all, like gas stations and all over the place. And it got sent in a group chat like, what the hell is this? So then I, that was like an awkward conversation to have with my mom and dad. And of course, they were thought I was actually insane. Like, Britt, you have a guaranteed successful career. You can break your bones. You can break your neck. What are you thinking? Um, so that, that was a little bit of a struggle for a while. And that was hard for me because I'm so close with my parents and I, they've always been you know, super, super supportive of everything I've done up until then. But now they're, they're on the same page. They actually came, the first show they came to, um, in IWC, which was actually the first time that we had met, um, was when I won the first ever women's uh, championship title at IWC. That's right. And uh, that's when I, I thought it was so funny because you, your nickname was Britsburg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget that. So uh, we had this women's match and when you're, I mean, any wrestler, anytime you're the first, the first time to do anything, it's, it's cool. It's, it's in your brain. It's like the biggest accomplishment ever. And I knew I was going to be the first women's champion. So I was already so nervous. And then um, in the locker room, someone came in and said, Jericho's here. So, the uh, fun fact, the promoter has a, a son named Jericho. Oh, okay. 
So I'm like, okay, like obviously thinking nothing of it. And I remember I'm going to walk out and I see Cause at the time you had like the spiky hair. I right. saw like the shadow of it up in the, up in the balcony. And I was like, Oh my God, Chris, that's Chris Jericho. He's here. And like the whole <laughs> roster was losing their minds. But that was that was always like a really cool night for me because it was got to meet Chris Jericho. I won my first title. My parents got to see me wrestle, and they didn't hate it. So that, that was a chalked up for a win. It's funny because I was doing a, a signing at like a comic convention, you know, like like a, you know, a comic, but like a comic convention, like a pop yeah. culture convention, whatever it may be in Pittsburgh. And the reason why I did it was because anytime I do a signing, I see if I can get somebody for my podcast. So I was able to get uh, Henry Winkler, the Fonz on the podcast. So I, I, same thing as you, I got to hang out with the Fonz. Then I did a signing, made some money. And then some wrestling fans came and they said, Hey, there's a show tonight. Do you want to come see it? And I was like, I really literally have nothing to do. So I said, yeah, I'll go pop by. Cause I knew Sam Adonis who was on the show. Right. And he's the one who invited me. That's what it was. And so that's why I went. And then uh, I did like the surprise ring announcing and all that sort of stuff. It was fun. It was, it was looked like it was a pretty organized show. Yeah. And you have, like one of the most epic lines ever for that for that promotion because afterwards everyone went out to, to the, the famous Permani Brothers sandwiches for for <laughs> sandwiches and drinks and they were shutting they were closing the restaurant down and they have those those hanging lights hanging from the tables like every restaurant does and they were trying to kick us out so they um, turned the lights on and I you reached up and unscrewed the light bulb and said what is that some sort of flex and we everybody lost it they're like oh my god that's the coolest thing ever ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes the uh, the old the old tricks that's, that's great so was <laughs> the that party tricks was that company uh, like when you were wrestling at that point in time was it weekly was it monthly were you traveling around and doing all of the you know the ring of honors and the shimmers and all those sort of things. Yeah, IW. So I would definitely credit. There's two promotions, um, IWC in Pittsburgh and AIW in Cleveland, which really like put me on the map originally, which then led to other bookings like Ring of Honor and uh, Shimmer. But IWC, I had my first like real exposure to any any type of TV world because I was on Anthony Bourdain's show, Parts Unknown. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, so uh, hilarious. I didn't know. I, I was getting emails for a month straight from someone saying, hey, w- wanting to speak to me about Anthony Bourdain's show. Well, I didn't know who Anthony Bourdain was. I have no time to even sleep or breathe. I don't watch TV. So I was on the phone with my boyfriend, Adam Cole, and I said, this Anthony Bourdain thing keeps emailing me. It's I, this, this is weird. And he's like, wait, what? And I, I, I swear to God, I felt like such an asshole, had no idea who that was. He goes, Anthony <laughs> Bourdain. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, you need to answer that email right now. So they, it was really cool. They came and did a little piece on the Parts Unknown Pittsburgh show of myself and professional wrestling and then being in dental school, too. And he even got to come and be part of the show. Uh, but th- that was all through IWC. They came they came to an IWC show and, and had their film crew there. They came to my dental school and filmed me like working on a pretend patient. And that was on TV, so that was really cool for me. And what, and what were they filming that for? So their show, Parts Unknown, it's just, they just kind of... Because wasn't that like a food guy or something like that? Yeah, it's a, so what we did is we we sat down and we ate, we had drinks and dinner with Anthony Bourdain at, at a restaurant in Pittsburgh. So what he does is he sits down at, at different like food spots and you kind of just talk to him about the culture or what, what your part of the show is. And mine was professional wrestling in pittsburgh but also the side the fact that i'm a dentist or well i was in dental school at the time gotcha because pittsburgh is such a, a huge 
Wrestling City because I was just remembering this too. The night before I met you, I actually that's why I had Bruno Sammartino on Talk is Jericho, um, which was an amazing experience. We had to go to his favorite Italian restaurant. We actually did the show in the restaurant while we uh, kind of hung out and ate dinner, which was great. But there's Bruno and there's Shane Douglas and there's Kurt Angle. And now Kurt Angle, you're, yeah. you're carrying on the tradition of great Pittsburgh wrestlers. Elias Elias Sampson actually really? came from the same he came from the same training school I did. Which what school was that? It's the IW that IWC okay. one. So who was the who's the, the trainer there? So I trained with professional wrestler called Super Hentai, was my main trainer, and Marshall the Bull. He had probably I think he was trained more by Shirley Doe and Super Hentai. Mm-hmm. I um, and then after that, uh, after I finished training in Pittsburgh, I went and continued a, a whole other, you know, kind of advanced training class in Cleveland twice a week with Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano in Cleveland. So that's kind of how I got, got through the door in wrestling in that other big promotion, AIW in Cleveland. Cause it was, it was kind of like a trade-off for them. Like I would do the shows, but then I also got to train there for free too. So I guess you're kind of working, you're wrestling on the weekends and then you're doing your dental practice during the week at this point in time. Is that kind of how it's working? Um, at that point, I know I was, I was still in school gotcha. through all of this. So I, this, it, it never, it never got easier because as more opportunities come, I feel like you have to work harder and harder to stay at the level that you should be at. So because I was getting more and more bookings, I was like, I need to know more. I need to know what I'm doing more. I need to get better at this. So I would be studying all day, dip out of school almost immediately and drive from Pittsburgh to Cleveland and then train and then come back back come back to Pittsburgh that night and do I was doing that once or twice a week for for a while so let me I guess let me ask you this so when you, when you finally get the how did you get the opportunity to come to AEW and at that point I guess it's, it's almost two questions and, and the second one is when did you start your own practice because it seems like everything's kind of been a mirror image of itself between wrestling and dentistry Right. So I knew once I graduated dental school, I knew I was going to come to Florida because that's where my my boyfriend is forced to live because of he he works with NXT. Adam Cole. And I, I right. Right. So I got I was in touch with a few dental offices down here and then finally found one that kind of had everything I was looking for. And, and most importantly, that was going to be very lenient if, if, and when I had to leave for wrestling, because I knew I knew I was going to make it work somehow where I got to do both. And I was working down here in the office at the time, and I was I was doing Ring of Honor shows where I was seeing the Bucks and Cody and Brandy pretty regularly, and a bunch of chatter, chitter chatter started coming around everywhere about, oh my gosh, this new promotion might be forming, and no one really knew what was going on. It was, it was all just hearsay, you know, Twitter talk, but it got more and more serious to the point where uh, Cody and Brandy had both said, hey, are you are you signing with WWE? Are you signed anywhere? They said, no, not yet, and they said, well, don't sign anything. But then that's it. No, 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 no explanation. Nothing. Just don't sign anything. So then um, I remember I was buying Christmas decorations and I was contacted by Brandy and basically just laid it all on the line. Like this, there's this new company. It's going to be huge. It was going to be in huge arenas going to be on TV. We want to have you as, as the first woman to be signed to it. And I'm just like, wait, what? Holy sh-. And that, I mean, obviously I didn't, I had so many questions. I couldn't even think straight at first. And, but the, the biggest question, the biggest check mark that I got to tally off was that I could still be a dentist during the week. And that was the, one of the first things, one of my first conversations with Tony was about how thankful I am that I get to do both, both of my passions. And that's kind of, that's across the board with AEW. Like no one's, no one's really enslaved to being at AEW all day, every day we get to, we all have our own little separate lives outside of being there. 
Well, because it's only once a week, and that's the best thing for people, well, for anybody, but for, especially for, for people like us that have other, other jobs and other, other things that we're doing. Because, you know, if you're in WWE, you're Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You know how it is. I mean, you know how Adam right. has to do it. So for only once a week, it's, it's the perfect place for you to work. Absolutely. I, I mean, I could not have written a better story for myself if I even tried when I started, started this crazy journey of two professions. Now, do you have your, your actually your own dental practice or do you still work for somebody? So I, so it is, I am the only dentist in the practice. It's under, um, there's a, a owner who has like, I think like maybe eight or nine different offices all throughout Florida, but this one is my office. So it's kind of like my, at first it's a little intimidating because like you're on your own as a dentist and great. I have like a lot of great mentors and, and if I need to reach out for help, but you, you really quickly kind of learn how to be on your own. And you, if, and there's so many, so many things that come up like insurance and finances and supplies, stuff that you could do, you don't, they don't even teach you in dental school that you really just have to learn on your own and learn on the fly. Um, but you also have to make sure you make your flight Tuesday night to AEW. <laughs> so there's a lot of, a lot of juggling. Like we said, so, so the weekends you get off and during the week you get off. So do you have to take Tuesday, Wednesday off, or you just take Wednesday morning off? Like, how does that work for your schedule? Yeah, I, so I fly in, I get the latest flight possible Tuesday night. I always like to fly in the night before because I get scared of, of travel issues on Wednesdays. And then, uh, we have our show on Wednesday and I either take a red eye, depending on where we are, a red eye Wednesday night or the earliest flight possible Thursday morning. And I, I wear my scrubs on the plane and everything. And I go straight to the office. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. So is that uh, tiring sometimes? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thursday night is the the best sleep I have of my life on Thursday night. <laughs> Cause we never, I mean, we never just go to sleep right after the show either where everyone wants to, you know, grab food or grab drinks or something. Cause we, it is like a great big family at AEW. So definitely exhausting. It really is. And you're, and you're one of the ones who's always, who's always hanging. Some people hang, some people don't, some people come every once in a while, but uh, well, yeah, cause you have to, I've been surrounded. So in dental school, Nobody gives a shit about professional wrestling. I was, um, so just to put in perspective, it's, it's very competitive to get into dental school. Pitt Dental, I think the year I applied had a 3.7% acceptance rate. Really? So, yeah. So these are academic aces from all over the world, like from India, Asia, all like everywhere. And I, I think it was kind of like disgraceful to them that I would even think about pursuing anything else other than dedicating myself fully oh. and completely to dentistry. And I was, I was definitely the outcast. Like I was not, I was not the cool kid pursuing professional wrestling. I was like this, this girl's a slacker. She doesn't care, uh, which wasn't the case whatsoever. It was just my, my path was different than theirs. That's a great point. It's like, you know, the the heat you might get in the wrestling locker room, you're, heat, you're getting heat with the other dental students for, for, for even, like you mentioned, for, for wanting to do both and how hard it was for people to get in there. And this chick is trying to do both these things. Someone else could be taking this dentist, dentist school. Right, right. And I, I mean, I loved dentistry, loved it, but I also love professional wrestling and the world's kind of always seemed to bleed together. And I, you know, I, I, I pulled some, some fast ones I probably shouldn't have. I would always, if I got bored in lecture, I, I was always sitting in the back of the room. I would have like a, like raw playing from the night before my computer. And every now and then, you know, when you open your computer and you're praying, the sound isn't on, but it is yeah. and it blasts so loud in front of the whole classroom. Um, I got in, I was reading 
your book knows a four letter word oh, in a sorry. class once I got it taken away from me and they're like you can you can get this after class seriously so, yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, I I definitely got in in some trouble also I I remember to go when I was studying to get into dental school the was it the 2014 Royal Rumble the one that was in Pittsburgh I didn't buy two of the books that I was supposed to buy because I, I wanted to use that money to buy tickets to the show when I was because I was fresh into training I was like oh my gosh I want to I want to get it go see this live so I was always I, I definitely wasn't the cookie cutter student I will never claim to be but I still I'm you know I'm still really smart I was able to balance it all and I'm just extremely dedicated to two two different worlds it just might not have been the same methods as everyone else I love that you got in trouble and you got your Chris Jericho book taken away <laughs> I know. I, I just recently, I've, through this quarantine, I re, just recently bought it again and reread it because I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot all about that. <laughs> so it, now when you are, when you are a dentist, do any uh, patients come in where they go, are you that girl from AEW? Oh, all the time. I, people actually come to the I'm office sure. a lot of times because they're fans. And I, I don't know why I didn't think this out early on to have my name, my real name be my uh, my wrestling name right. because it's very easy to find me um, in my dental office. But thankfully, most of the the fans that are patients are super respectful and they're actually coming in for like, they're, they're, I mean, they're like shaking nervous sometimes, but they're still super respectful and, and are coming for dental care, not just to, hey, can you sign this or hey, can you take a picture? And I, I'm thankful and I hope and pray it doesn't get to that point because then, you know, that's going to be an interesting Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to change some things up, but they definitely. And on the same hand, I get asked dental questions from the wrestling locker room pretty much every single week. First off, I think it's good for your business because if I lived in Orlando and needed to go to the dentist, I'd go to Britt Baker. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, I I, I can't tell you who because of HIPAA, but I see tons of WWE roster as my as my patients because they know I'm here and they. Right. Hopefully, trust me. I'm assuming they trust me if they're coming to me. That is, does that ever get to you, though, if you're in the locker room and, and someone says, hey, Britt, I got this uh, back of my tooth here is kind of kind of bugging me. Can you check on it? Like, does that bug you at all? No, no, okay. not at all. I mean, that's my job, and that's what I went to school for. That's that's my path. It's like the same as, as someone coming and you asking. It's like me coming to say, hey, Chris Jericho, I'm going to cut this role model promo. What do you think? Like, it's right, you right, love right. you love to help out with that stuff. Well, let's talk about that because when you came into to AEW, it's the typical story. Uh, I had it happen to me. Same thing. You, you're a baby face, kind of don't mm-hmm. really know your character. And then one day you switch to the dark side and suddenly everything just clicks. Right. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So it was actually Kenny's idea or Kenny's the first one that came to me, I should say that said, you know, what if we turn you um, heel? And I have had never been a heel throughout my entire career as you know, my, my very long four years of wrestling. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I've never been a heel. I've always been like just that bubbly baby face. And I was, I was all for it. I'm like, sure but I'm going to need a lot of help because I've never done this before. But we didn't really know, you know, there was a lot of ideas of, of the, which direction the character should go. And I really wasn't feeling or connecting with, with any of those ideas until I had cut just a really quick promo on Riho backstage at the New Year's New Year's Day show. And, and some Twitter links had been sent to me about how it resembled Chris Jericho's WCW, like babyface kind of, or not, self-proclaimed babyface, self-proclaimed role model condescending. So I went and watched like hours of that 
and I texted Tony, I think it was like January 3rd at insane hour of the night. And of course he was awake say, pitching this idea and, and going off of your character then. And he loved it. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Chris Jericho at the next taping and see what he says. And that's when I said, Hey, you know, what do you think about what, do you think this could work? Or do you think this would be a bust? And that's when you said, yeah, I think that could really work. I think you should go for it. And then, you know, I kind of pick your brain pretty much every week in some capacity that we're there for, for help to try and make this succeed. And Cody, oh my gosh, Cody Rhodes has been a huge help along with with you and Tony as far as making this heel character kind of click and making it be something that gets over with the fans and something that I I can present in a way that I actually believe in myself too, which is the, the most important thing I'm making any character work. So it's a lot. Um, I'm very, very thankful for all the people that we have behind us at AEW because it's crucial, especially for newer talent like myself, where we have no idea what we're doing. We've never been on TV. So we're look, looking for help literally in every single direction possible. And there's always people there looking back at us, for helping us. Well, it's great, too, because, you know, everybody's on the same team. And also you have the freedom to find your character by, you know, coming up with your own promos and to give your own ideas and you have to do that and you get suggestions here and there but one thing i thought you've really done well at is 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 the promo cuz you take the idea of the role model okay now i have something to talk about but it's all in your delivery and your confidence and if you watch every single week i remember watching you on the cruise uh, you, mm-hmm. you did a promo and we were all sitting kind of in that little area in the back and you hit one of the lines that was just amazing. It was, it might've been your first live one, I think. And everyone was super excited that she nailed it. She nailed it. Right. Yeah. And the, the so the crew, oh my gosh, the cruise, that was one of the, one of my favorite wrestling experiences I've, I've ever oh, had, by great. the way, it's just like a great, it, we all bonded so much, but uh, I remember the cruise, it, it felt, it didn't quite feel like like a live arena promo yet because it's those fans are so awesome. They will do any, if if we want them to cheer, they'll cheer. If we want them to boo. That's like the, your, your, if you can handpick any audience in the world, you would want everybody that was on, the fans that were on the Jericho cruise because they are the perfect wrestling fans. Right. But then when I had to cut the promo, the, I think it was in Cleveland next in, in front of the, the huge arena I, I, that I was terrified. Mm. I was backstage like, Oh my God, this is live. Like there's no, there's no, this is not edited. They're not going to cut anything and i just remember i was like i have tony shivani with me if anything if anything really goes south or downhill he's gonna save us he's gonna pick us back up it's all it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay and thankfully it it went well and then they just kept each week i would pitch some sort of idea to tony or cody would have an idea and we would all kind of work together and then i would pretty much get everything in order. And then I would always come to you for a last minute tweak, like, Hey, what do you, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And that's really why they've been so successful is, is giving me that, that creative freedom, but also I'm, I'm have so much input and feedback from everyone else. And your confidence has grown as a result. That's the best part. Like I said, if you go from Brit on the cruise to Brit, you know, last week, that's, that's where it's all clicking for you. Now you can really see it because you have that confidence. Right. Right. And that's, yeah, it's something that definitely comes in time, but it's, it's really scary when you're just saying, Hey, we want you, we, we want you to do this new character, this new role Would you, but I have absolutely no experience doing any of it. And it's kind of like trial and error on live TV in front of millions of fans, which has really been the, the course for all of us. New, newer talent at AEW is a lot of trial and error with, with live TV that we've never done before. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Uh, how integral was Tony Schiavone to to this development for you? 
Man, Tony Schiavone, he, I cannot say enough good things about Tony Schiavone. He is the best. We even like, he accidentally butt dialed me, um, when he was shopping in the, in the liquor aisle of the store (laughs) last week. (laughs) So we FaceTime for a second, but he, he's just, there's something about him where he's so calming and he also feeds off you know, the, the, the verbal abuse so well, like he helps my character so much because he plays along better than I think probably anybody in the entire locker room could just because of who he is and what he does and how he interacts with me. He was a great foil too. like, you know, what's one of those things where in the wrestling business, everything's fair game, but I could almost see him going like not wanting people to know that he was working at Starbucks as a barista. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of one of the uh, big cornerstones of your of your initial heel promos. Right, right. Oh yeah, we do the Starbucks pretty much every other week now. But he's and he's such a good sport about everything, and he can he will have ideas to to kind of make make things better or tweak them this way too. He's he's really like my my tag partner right now in AEW. That's that's who I work with the most on camera, and I am so thankful for him and everything he's done to help me. Let's talk about um, over the last few weeks, you know, doing the um, the empty arena, empty venues. And, you know, we taped a bunch of shows a few weeks ago in Atlanta, and you were one of the, of the, of the, of the roster that showed up because there was a lot of people that couldn't make it and didn't feel comfortable making it, et cetera, et cetera. But when you were there that week, now suddenly you've got basically three or four weeks of TV where you are one of the only women on the show. Right. And I hadn't wrestled for a while. I think I want to say like the Chicago pay-per-view pre-show was the last time I actually wrestled. And I I may be wrong on that, Mm -hmm. but um, I show up and Tony right away is like, oh, we have great ideas. I I want you to have a maybe 12, 15 minute match with Sheeta. And then we'll throw a couple other stuff in there. I'm like, oh, my God, 12, 15. That's all when you haven't wrestled in a while. And and Sheeta, you know, she's phenomenal. She's the top top women's baby face right now. But I was excited. I was like, okay, we're going to do it. And of course, the very first match, I busted my nose open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had two matches to follow after that. But I'm, I mean, that match could, for me couldn't have possibly gone any better. That, it, for that, that it made me for that week. I was the, I came out the baby face too because I, I had the busted nose. I had the, the the meme or the that little viral video clip of course nothing none of that was planned but it just it was all really just a bunch of good luck and she is amazing and i will wrestle her a hundred times because she's so good she's just absolutely one of the best i've ever been in the ring with well and that was the cool thing like i said i i still haven't had an empty arena match yet i've I've been on all the shows and commentated and done promos and beatdowns and all this other thing but to have the match, and listen, it's a little bit different in Atlanta. I like that vibe. There was people in there. Uh, yeah. Got some noise. Me and Tony were on commentary, so there's a little bit of, uh, of energy coming from there. But I thought that match was really f- good. Like, even even uh, with people, no people, whatever the situation was, you guys really, that was a real coming out for me because we saw your character evolve but that was the first like great Britt Baker match that I've seen. Not that you probably haven't had others, but that's the first one that I've seen. Yeah, that's I, I think that's like one of the the first real singles match I've I've had with one of our own talent members, not not just like extra talent or something as a heel where I can kind of tie in the, my character that I've been portraying in the promos into my wrestling. So the annoying 
facial expressions, the, the being a bitch, stuff like that. I could really, really focus on that. Um, but I will say you, you don't realize how much you miss and need the fans until you don't have them. Cause when that nose started bleeding, I was like, Oh my God, there's like, I'm, this is for like Billy and Austin Gunn right now. There's no fans in here, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, it's still wrestling. So you still kind of get lost in it regardless. And then of course you have what we call the happy accident. It happened to me the week before the pay-per-view in Kansas city when yep. Mox headbutted me and it split me wide open during the match that we had in uh, in Chicago for the title, he hits the post, he gets split open, and here we are talking about this great match that you had with Sheeta, where you end up get, getting getting hit in the nose and blood everywhere. That really adds to the intensity of the match, and we never planned for it, but when it happens, it sure ended up being a great situation as blood streams down your face. And with the help of your, your quote, became... What the first ever top selling T-shirt of the week in pro wrestling tees history? That's right. That's right. You went. Uh, well, what we go back to to your sparkly boots, and, and I said you, you look like Ace Fraley. And then, of course, listen. This is not something that was planned uh, from commentating standpoint, no. from your standpoint, and it was just perfect because you end up looking like Gene Simmons from the cover of Kiss Alive too. And I was like, this is perfect. You went from Ace Fraley to Gene Simmons in the same match, and people love that. And then you ended up making a shirt from it. Right, right. And it's a top seller. And I was, I'm t- t- thanked you three times. I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for, <laughs> for that quote. But, yeah, it was not a blood capsule. I had so many trolls on Twitter saying, oh, you're just trying to copy Becky Lynch and you have a blood capsule. Right. Like, no, that is – that's and while we're on the topic of that, no, we did not steal the role model gimmick from Bailey because I, I that's like a daily thing. And I know we've talked about it too, mm. how – the inspiration came from from you, from Chris Jericho for the role model gimmick. And I, I'm not I I don't want to say I'm I don't know totally what's going on in with Braun SmackDown because I you know I try to stay in touch with it, but at the same time, I'm a dentist and a professional wrestler. I don't know every single storyline or going on each week. So it wasn't until I actually said the word role model on TV and, and then I got the the Bailey army coming at me. You're stealing her gimmick that I even knew that she was calling herself that too. Granted Totally different uses of the words, totally different gimmicks, as we call it. But um, I just kind of want to set the record straight that, no, we didn't steal that from anybody. Well, I stole it from you, not from her. Yeah, and then she probably stole it from me, too, because I, I think her and Sasha, they watch a lot of my stuff and Eddie's stuff. So, And listen, there's no... I, right, and I love that. And I they're great. They're absolutely great. I love them. I think they're super entertaining, but it's just completely totally different than than my character and what I'm portraying. And I probably stole it from somebody too, so I wouldn't worry about it. It's just, uh, it, it's I never saw it as a Bailey thing. I just saw it as a, as a great idea for you to do. And just going back to the t-shirt for a second, that was up and running the next day. Was that your idea to get that going? Yeah, it was. Um, I, I said, hey, is there any way? Well, I, tell you, I asked Ryan first right. from Pro do you yeah. think do you think a shirt with blood would sell or is that kind of weird and like people don't like to see women with blood? And he's like, no, I think it would sell. Uh, we uh, When Candace LeRae and the Indies had had that crimson mask that it was one of it was a really good seller and i was like well what if we what if we make the shirt but with the writing some in some sort of writing like the the kiss font and he's like yeah well i'll get that get that for you tonight and he did i don't know who makes the who designs what there but they are so fast i mean they have stuff in minutes sometimes or hours it's it's amazing and it was up the next day and 
it he's, I, I checked in on him and I said, Hey, um, do you know if that shirt's selling? He said, let me check. He said, Holy shit. It's a top seller. It's the top seller right now. The only thing that was below it at the, the time was the, um, your, uh, bandana. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. I, I, cause I, I never would have thought that shirt would have sold. Cause I don't know that if I saw that I would have bought it like a bloody face, but Hey, it, it did. And I'm thankful. Yeah. It, it's pretty funny that I was thinking the same thing, you know, because because obviously I saw Brit, I saw the uh, the done in the kiss font, the kiss letters, and I had a ton of people go, "Did you come up with the idea for that shirt? That's got to be you." I'm like, "No, that that was Brit's idea." I, I said Gene Simmons and all that stuff, and I saw the shirt. And I'm like, a picture of a of a of a of a pretty girl with blood dripping all over her face. I don't know if I'd wear that. And then suddenly it's number one. And I'll say it again. You said it, but I'll clarify. It was the first ever female characters t-shirt, female performers t-shirt that was ever number one on pro wrestling tees ever. So I'm like, well, what do I know? It worked. People loved it. It was a great image. And the fact that you used to uh, cut open human cadavers explains that you're not scared of blood. So it works on that end too. But yeah, that's exactly it. It was the inspiration behind it all. Let me ask you this, just, just popped into my head. You mentioned Adam Cole, your boyfriend, a few times, and mm-hmm. obviously you work for AEW, he works for NXT. There was a few times when you've gone to the matches and they focused in on you and there was, tell that story of they weren't aware you were being focused on and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I've always asked ahead of time, the, either the Bucks or Tony, whoever, I've always said, is it okay if I go? And it's to the point where Tony's like, Bert, stop asking me. Of course, you can always go. He goes, why Why would we not want you to go support your boyfriend? Like, it's not, we're not like a cult. It's not like you can't go there. It's fine. The first time that I was, that they put me on, so I was just sitting in my little comp, comp ticket section. And the camera was nowhere near us any point at any point in time. And this was this was very early on. This I, this was before we were on TV or anything. I think we had the one pay per view. And Stephanie McMahon comes out and and she sits in the seat right next to me, or there might have been a seat between us. And they they zoom on her for her for her. You know, hey, I'm in the crowd spot, and I'm like two seats down, just like looking at her. I don't. I truly don't know if they knew who I was at that point or not because it was so early on and they, they didn't have the camera anywhere near us until that point, but it actually was like a funny little meme because it looks like I'm mean mugging her right. in it. But, uh, the second time, which I got, I knew, I knew that Adam Cole was winning the, t- the championship title. So I definitely wanted to go and I want, I didn't want to just sit backstage and watch it on a TV. I was like, is there any way that I can watch it in the crowd? Cause it was, uh, they were, they were doing like, these crazy cage match bumps and all kinds of of stuff where I was terrified. I was like, no, I want to be out there. And they said, yep, absolutely. You know, I was texting with the one security guard. We, we got you covered. Don't worry. So I'm in my seat. Everything's good. And then they, for his match, they moved me and they said, Hey, you'll be fine here because you're behind the commentary table. And because the, the the match is in the cage, the camera's not going to come out here at all. And and to to me, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And it wasn't until the very end, he took this disgusting bump off the top of the cage where they, I don't even know which camera it was because I was looking in the ring, got me. And I didn't even know until I got, I went backstage and gorilla check, I went to check in on Adam and triple H came up to me right away. He's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. We didn't mean for that to happen. 
and I'm kind of like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, we, we got you on, on camera with your reaction to the bump. Like, I'm so sorry. They didn't know the product, the produ- head production. I don't know who didn't know who you were. Do I, do I believe that? I don't know. But he was very apologetic to me. Super nice. Him and Stephanie both were like, we're so sorry about that. I hope you don't get in trouble. Um, which Tony didn't care at all because after that night I was the top, the top Google search of that entire show of the entire NXT show was Britt Baker just because of that one little blip they showed me on TV. I love that though. It's like, we didn't know that it was you and like, come on. No, right. Right. I, and then afterwards, one of the, whoever that, whoever the the head camera guy, I'm not sure who it was actually went, went to my boyfriend says, no, that, that was like our bad. I did know. I know who your girlfriend is. I don't know. It was just like a series of unfortunate events. I don't know what happened. So needless to say it, it, it ended up being, uh, it, again, another kind of little happy accident because we, it was it was me and an AEW wrestler who came out as the top the top Google search of their pay-per-view. <laughs> I'm sure they love that. <laughs> right. Do you, when you go, do you ever feel like a, a, a cool reception sort of thing? Is for, like cool as in like like chilly reception or is everyone like, hey, how's it going? Uh, well, mostly most of the people there are the the wrestler, the talent are independent wrestlers that I've known for a while. Um, so those people are always super welcoming, super warming. Um, I've even been backstage where Terry Taylor will say, hey, Brett, you're doing great. I love watching your stuff. People are, are usually pretty welcoming and warming. And even the fans, too, that, that bump into me like, hey, Brett, we love AEW, we love AEW. So I've never I've never experienced anything cold. Um, they, they might, you know, talk shit behind my back as soon as I walk away. But to my face, they're very supportive and saying that they love AEW and how great it is for professional wrestling. So I, I like to believe that that everyone really is happy with this this little war we have going on because it does make professional wrestling better. Well, it, it does, and and it, it's made uh, it's so funny how we're the only you know business going, but it's you know if we're giving people content and and now there's two separate companies and two separate visions to 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 do that. You know what I mean? And I think we sure provided a lot of jobs for people as well. Yeah, and it's like I like I've said a hundred times. You, it's for me the the dream job because I I have two jobs that I've worked really hard for, and I get to pursue both. It's just uh, last few things here. When you're talking about about uh, you know the the shutdown and the lockdown, are you still practicing right now? No, it's all dental offices are closed. They're only open for emergencies, and that's solely because they don't want people going to the hospitals taking up you know hospital beds just because they have a toothache or an abscess or something. So, but other than that, dental offices are totally closed down because it's a high risk of infection. Because when you when you run the hand pieces, the drills, the the airborne particles are, are everywhere in the room, and there's we don't have the proper protection for that and which we shouldn't, they should be in the hospitals with the doctors and the nurses. So we are closed down. Wow. So what happens if you have like a, a major toothache or, or, you know, molars coming in or something along those lines? Yeah. So stuff like that, like I've had a couple pop, pop up, not, not too many where I had um, an abscess, they need a drain. So we did that and put the money in biotics. And then also someone's temporary crown came off where their gums were getting uh, really badly infected. So we had to seat the permanent crown, but those are, you know, my, those are minor emergencies and obviously more severe ones we would see too, but not, we're not doing any type of like ortho work or cleanings or gotcha. minor aches and pains. No, a lot of antibiotic prescriptions going out. So is this up to you on a case by case basis sort of thing? Yeah. 
so we have like a phone answering service that kind of filters through everything. And of course, with the first questions we ask is, have you traveled? Are you feeling sick? Do you have a temperature? And then the case, like the symptoms, what's going on, will get, will get sent over to me. And then pretty much every, all the time I, I will call the patient myself because stuff gets lost in, in translation all the time about what's, what's going on, what's the symptoms, what happened, how long has it been going on. So I, I like to speak to the patients directly, right? Especially right now when we're trying to limit, limit anything going on in the dental office. And, um, the patients have been really, really cooperative too. Like they're not, they're not calling us for these little minor aches and pains. It's true emergencies where they're calling. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's, it, it, I think people kind of understand it's got to be a little bit of an honor system here uh, with all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, a- absolutely. If everyone, if everyone just kind of works together and follows the rules, the, the world will heal faster. Hopefully. It's funny. My brother-in-law, he's been doing some work over at my place and, he, uh, I don't know what he was doing. His his uh, cap came off. Oh, his crown, uh, crown. Yeah. So it's and it's not. Yeah. It's just a. It's just a an aesthetic thing. So it's like I'm like, dude, you're gonna look like Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber until you know oh. <laughs> until all this blows over. <laughs> yeah, the, there's so many people with um, with temporary crowns coming off, but we always say like, get, if you just get fixed in, that's the best little quick fix to keep a temporary crown on until you can get into a dental office. Oh, okay, that's good advice. So fix it in is kind of a glue that you can put on. Yeah, it's it's used for dentures, but if all it can also it's it, tacky can be used for just kind of holding a temporary on. But temporary crowns are temporary, and people forget that sometimes you can't be like chewing and pulling and tugging at them, or it is going to come off. It's temporary cement; it's not meant to be on there forever. So you really have to baby, baby that. Last few things. I remember when all this was starting to come down. You were mentioning how by people wearing masks on the street that it was affecting you know, masks for the doctors. And now we really know this because I'm talking, you know, I had this discussion probably, I don't know, two months ago, right when the coronavirus was just starting. Was there a Mm -hmm. shortage of of surgical masks and and that sort of thing at your practice? Yeah. So I I think after we had that conversation, it was like maybe a week and a half later, we got the notification that we can't order any more masks. So basically what we have in the office is what we have. And I I was in there the other day. I want to say we have maybe 10 masks total in there. And that's, you know, I, it's always me and I work with my assistant. So we always need a mask and you're ideally supposed to change it out for every patient, especially right now. But it's, and that's just for dental practices. I I can't fathom being a frontline worker and on a COVID unit floor where you don't have a mask or you have to use the same mask every day and take it home. That's, I just can't even fathom that. So hopefully, um, I mean, we haven't even tried to order masks because we're just not not high priority. Right. But I hope I hope soon that something something gives where they're able to get more masks out to where to wherever is needed. Yeah, well, hopefully the you know we're apparently in a plateau right now, and hopefully starting to go down the hill. And you know, it's just like people buying all the toilet paper and all this other stuff. Once everything calms down, hopefully there'll be all of those things will be back on the shelves again. Yeah, well, I, one can only hope. We're a very panic-driven society. Uh, that's with, with ev- everything. Anytime something bad happens, it's about panic, which is unfortunate because it, being cool and calm is, is much more effective, especially in times like this. But I think I think people are finally starting to both a um, take it more seriously because none of us really took it seriously to start because we didn't know that we had to, and now I think people are just calming down and learning what what they need to do and what their what their parts are, their small parts are to. Help Helping, helping get rid of this virus. 
And some of us, it's as simple as just staying home. I was, I was actually like pleasantly surprised that you came to the taping in Atlanta. You were there. I didn't know if like maybe medically you wouldn't be able to go or something like that. Yeah. So I had, I had, um, cause I was working in the dental office a lot and I had quarantined myself for two weeks anyway, because I had a sore throat. Um, I didn't have a COVID or anything, but I quarantined for two weeks. I was cleared everything and went to the tapings and then I've basically been in quarantine ever since just because that's what we're supposed to do. And I think everyone, and it's not like there's anywhere to go anyway, everything's closed down. But I think it's a very simple, simple thing to do. You know, no one, no one's being asked to go to war or to do anything. You just have to stay home. Will you be at the next uh, set of AEW tapings whenever those may be? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Last few things. uh, What are some of your favorite matches that you've had in your career I'm assuming the Sheeta one is probably your favorite. Yeah, that's definitely a, my most recent favorite. Um, I always credit All In for putting me on the map whatsoever, which was with uh, Tessa Blanchard, Chelsea Green, and Madison Rain. That was my first like big match oh, wow. ever. Yeah. yeah, I had never been on TV before. I was kind of the underdog in that match because all those girls had had TV exposure in some capacity where I hadn't. So I that put me on the map. And I've had, oh man, I've had a, a few bouts of matches with Tessa Blanchard that I love. She's one of my favorite competitors. She's so talented in the ring. And also I've had so many tag matches with Chelsea Green and Shimmer that I've, I've loved. But I, I think mo- my favorite match would have to be the all-in match just because that was so, so special, so important. And it kind of set the grounds for AEW. It did. I mean, it, it's so funny. It seems like it was a lifetime ago at this point. Um, oh my gosh, years, right? It was only like, I think it's a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe two years. I don't even remember when it was, but it's, uh, it, it sure was the, the opening of the door for all the stuff that we're doing today. Right. And I um, was, was really good friends with all the girls in that match. So it was, it was really special too, when you get to share something like that with your friends. How do you like the AEW women's locker room? I mean, it's, it's, there's, it's so varied with so many people from around the world, um, is 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 everybody? Like, I shouldn't even say is everybody cool because of course you are. But our our locker room is very diverse, shall we say? Very very diverse. So we obviously have a lot of the Joshi coming in, but everybody everybody's just so happy to be there. Like no one ever hates coming to work, or no one's ever negative. Um, it, it's everyone just loves wrestling, and they're they're like I said, they're just really happy to be there. And I have great relationships with everybody. Everyone's really, and everybody, um, like every Wednesday morning, the women's wrestling, we have in-ring training with Dustin and it's, it's really bonding because none of us will, I, I, I can't speak for them, but for me, I've never been in the ring with any of these girls before mm-hmm. none. So to get to train, we don't have a performance center. We don't have, we're not like NXT where we're in the ring every day together. We're t- total strangers. Some of us have never locked up before. So to be able to have that morning training with Dustin, who is, oh my gosh, phenomenal is is very helpful and it helps us get acquainted with each other with tv wrestling so i think that really helps the locker room bonding too when you put together the match with sheeta let's say i know her her english is improving does kenny Mm -hmm. help you is nakazawa involved kenny wasn't um he i mean he might have tossed some ideas to sheeta beforehand but kenny had his own matches to worry about that day i mean you know that we shot what six weeks of tv in one day so everyone was really on their own as far as agents go so it's me and sheeta and i got to the building pretty late as soon as i got to the building from makeup we had i think 45 minutes 
to get dressed and put this this match together. But she does great. Her like she's she just excels at everything she does. Like every week I find a new on Twitter or Instagram, a new skill of hers yeah. where I'm like, okay, she plays the piano. Okay. She can do like one handed pushups. Okay. She can sing. <laughs> she loves movie but, candy. Um, yeah. But her English is really, really getting you know, very impressive. Yeah. It's, it's good to see once again, cause I think if you're going to, if you're going to really succeed in America, you have to speak English. And she's definitely going the extra mile to do that. And she has too. She moved here. She lives in Florida. So she's totally committed to, to AEW and, and making this work. As are you, Britt, the dentist and the uh, the future AEW Women's Champion, I'm sure. That's right. One day. <laughs> Last question for you. How long officially coming from a dentist should you brush your teeth for? Uh, you should have for two minutes. That is across the every time you brush your teeth for two minutes and brush your tongue, brush along the gum line, make sure you're getting the bristles like right underneath the gums. Not so you're traumatizing the tissue, but so you're getting all that plaque underneath there and floss because that's just as important. See, there you go. I always wondered too, four out of five dentists say that dentine is good. Who's the fifth dentist and what's their problem? I know. I, I think they make half those statistics up anyway. <laughs> I just thought of a great new line for commentary for your next match. Okay, good. Don't, ta- don't tell it. us. I'll save it. We'll wait. Thank, okay. thank you, Brett. Hopefully we'll see you very soon and uh, stay safe and healthy. Awesome. Thank you so much. 